Amen. We're going to, uh, I have this message we're going to preach, I'm going to preach to you this morning, and if you were here Wednesday night, it's really a continuation of that, but I'll do a quick little uh, seven or eight minute recap from Wednesday night. I do want to say this, um, my wife had to slip, slip um, out with a little one because she needs to be fed, but my wife and I are just deeply, deeply grateful. We are a perfect combination of scared out of our mind and really excited all at the same time. Um, I, I was telling somebody earlier, I, I feel the great responsibility for the body and for the congregation here and the church, but that's something that I've, I've felt for a long time. So it's something that I'm, I'm, I'm you know, I'm, I'm kind of, has become a, just a part of my life, the, the, res, the responsibility of being a part of the leadership of the church here. But the responsibility that, that I also feel is, um, that I was telling somebody after the first service is, is to really see God do um, all that he has promised to do in this house. Because uh, one day I want my mom and dad to look back and me be able to look them in the eyes and say, look what you gave your life towards. Look what God is doing and look at the lives that are being impacted. Because many of you don't realize this, but my parents have literally given everything. They've given everything. And I'm not here to, to brag on them, but if you knew the inside story, you would be shocked at the sacrifice that both of them have made to see um, God go forward here in this city. And their heart is genuinely for his people, and they've been a great example to me. And so um, I'm excited and challenged, and I look forward to working alongside of you and you being a part of the team as we step forward as a community of believers, as a big, big, giant, crazy, wacky family, and uh, do what God's called us to do. Each one of you have an important part and role to play. And I want you to do me a favor. I want you to look next to you, to your neighbor. And I want you to say, you have an important part to play. If nobody's sitting next to you, just say it in faith. All right? I know. It's just massive support from my family as they all exit, right? Oh, half of them will trickle back in. Well, um, I'm gonna, we're going to turn uh, to uh, 2 Kings chapter 2. So if you have your Bibles, turn to 2 Kings. I also want to say that we added four brand new board members in the last couple of weeks to the board. And they, uh, in addition to our board that was, um, that was already there and the members that were already a part of it, we have such a great group of people that are part of the advisory committee and board for this church and um, I'm excited for what God's going to do. We've added some great, great people to that group. Um, and we have some great people that aren't on the board that are just a part of our deacon and elder staff and our, and our um, volunteers that just have given us such wisdom and insight. And I want to rely on you all, many of you who happen to be a, a year or two older than me, I want to rely on you all to be a part of helping guide because I don't believe that I have all the answers. My wife and I don't believe that we have the perfect solution. But I know that together we can make the right decisions and we can see Jesus lifted up and glorified. Amen? Amen. Come on, you can do better than that. Amen? Amen. All right, we're going to uh, start in uh, chapter 2, verse 19. Uh, we'll have this up here on the screen. And uh, this sermon is really my heart's cry. This is what gets me more excited, I think, than anything else when it comes to the things of God. And so that's why I'm preaching it. We're going to continue on from Wednesday night. 
uh, chapter 2, verse 19. This is right after Elijah and Elisha kind of have the handoff. Elisha kind of takes the mantle of Elijah, which happens to be a coincidence based on what's happening today. I didn't really plan it that way. So don't leave here on your way home and say, I can't believe Pastor Dan thinks he's Elisha, because it's not what's happening here. Verse 19, the people of the city said to Elisha, Look, our Lord, this town is well situated, as you can see, but the water is bad and the land is unproductive. And I want you to see that um, in this scripture, that the people have come to Elisha, who happens to be their leader at the time, and he says, and they say, listen, our land here has great potential. We're well situated. Any of you that are in real estate, like I know Annette is and Rico and some other people here, uh, then you know that location is oftentimes the best indicator of the value or the potential of a property. And so uh, the, the, they come to them, they say, listen, we, we're situated well. We're in a good spot. We have, we have everything that we need here, but there's one problem. The water is bad, and so the land is unproductive. The land can't produce anything because the water is bad. And this is, this is how Elisha responds. He says, bring me a new bowl. He said, and put salt in it. So they brought it to him. Verse 21, then he went out to the spring and threw the salt into it, saying, this is what the Lord says. I have healed this water. Never again will it cause death or make the land unproductive. And the water has remained pure to this day, according to the word Elisha has spoken. So I want to kind of frame this for you in the context of me and you today. This bowl represents the church. This bowl represents the gathering of the saints. See, the, the Bible oftentimes refer to us as salt, as salt and light. It refers to us as the salt of the earth. We are the salt in this picture. We are the salt in this analogy here. And so the bowl represents the structure. The bowl represents the safe environment. The bowl represents the collection place, the place or the environment where people are collected uh, for this salt, which is you and I. It represents the church. Now, I... I, I wholeheartedly and fully believe that the church has to have structure to it. Amen. It has to be a container. It has to be a place where we can gather and be, come together and have some structure. Now, what's oftentimes happened over the years is that this structure that I'm talking about has been misused by leadership uh, in denominations and churches across the globe to, to control God's people. And so when you hear the word structure, oftentimes we have a negative connotation to it. But God designed the church to function in such a way that it would bring God's people together for a common purpose. Where it would be a place of connection. Where it would be a place where we could, we could get to know one another. We could encourage one another. We could be discipled. And so as this new bowl, and, I, and it's interesting that it says new bowl, because, because we oftentimes look at the, the concept of a church and we relate back to our own experience from five years ago or 50 years ago. But I believe that God is always doing a new thing in the earth. Now, you, you think to yourself, well, you're 34. Or, am I 34? Yeah, something like that. I don't even know how old I am half the time. You're 34, and so you always want the new and hip. Listen, if you think I'm new and hip, you, ha you are lost. These kids nowadays, are, they're, they're, they are, I mean, every generation, every 10 years, they are like, they are saying things, I don't understand what they're saying. They got this new, they got this fairly new, it's not super new, but they got this thing out now called the whip and nay nay. Have you heard about this? 
Now, Kathleen, I'm not going to let you do that, Whip and Nana, here, because, yeah, I think that's something you use on the farm. That, that, it, does anybody know how to do that? Come on, Cynthia, show us how to do that. Come on, Cynthia. Come on up here. Now, show them how to do it now. She's going to show, Pastor Jim doesn't know what it is, and he wants to see it. Come on, show them how to do it. Come on. No. You, want to, you're at, you need backup dancers, don't you? Come on, backup dancers. Come on up here. All right, show them how to do it. Now, don't, you two, not tr- don't try to be the star. She's the star now. You get behind her. She's the backup. See how they always try to do it? Ready? Here you go. No, no music. Both those look the same. I, I, I thought the whip and nene would be different. Let's give them a hand. All right. I was a lot more excited about that after than after I saw it. My dad said that's nothing but James Brown warmed up. <laughs> Looks like you were training for a boxing match there. So that's the whip and they, thank you guys. That was spontaneous. They didn't know they were going to do that. Uh, so there's so much new that's happening all the time. There's so much new that's happening. And the crazy thing is, is that we oftentimes associate God with the antiquated and the old. Right? The Old Testament. The priest with the garments and the hat and speaking in the these and thous. But you know who the hippest person in town is? The person that is always doing something new. Jesus is always doing something new in the earth. The crazy thing is, is that we have missed so many times as the body of Christ revival or an opportunity to see God move because we're re- constantly rehearsing and rehashing our experience instead of allowing God to do something new. Because oftentimes we're afraid of something new. We're afraid of something new. And Elisha asks for a new bowl. He says, bring me a new bowl. I, wanna, I want the new thing. And I want to tell you something. I want to know what God is doing in the earth right now. I don't want to put my 10 years ago on them or my 15 years ago on them. I want to know what God is speaking to this city right now. I don't want to regurgitate a word uh, to, the, to the people that God isn't saying now. It might have been good five years ago. I want to know what God is saying now. Amen? I want to hear the fresh rhema word of God. So he says, bring me a new bowl. Then he says, I've got this salt here. The salt representing you and I. And he says, I'm going to take this salt. And he goes outside, he takes the salt, and he throws it into the the spring or the water. And the water is healed. And because the water is healed, the land then becomes productive. And the scripture says that after he did that, that to this day, that water remained pure. Now, this is the crazy thing. I, I, I was going to do this, but I don't have a lot of time this morning. So, But I was reading through CNN. You know what? I'm going to do it. I'm just going to read some headlines to you. 
This, is, this will boggle your mind. This will tell you how unproductive our land is right now. The death and destruction. Anytime now, load up CNN. Oregon writer, America is being terrorized by itself. I'm just going to read them down the list. Number two, why is it absolutely the right time to talk about guns? Number three, now is not the time to debate guns, but rather school security. Number four, how the Martian feeds our obsession. Number five, why Trump is wrong on refugees. Number six, lawmakers failing us on gun violence. Number seven, UN not fixing Syria crisis anytime soon. Number eight, Putin leaves leaves U.S. looking weak. On and on and on, Afghanistan, how it can and cannot succeed. Uh, Obama, Putin, differences sharp and dangerous. Obama's Iran dilemma. This morning, there was all these remarks on how uh, the flooding that's going on on the east coast of the United States because of the hurricane and what it did to the Bahamas and the destruction there. There's so much death and destruction and gloom and doom and terror and schools being shot up and people dying. And I, I read yesterday they dropped bombs uh, on somewhere in Afghanistan and, and accidentally missed and hit some U.S. aid workers and killed them. There's so much unproductive going on in the land, so much death, destruction, terror, and tragedy that is happening. I mean, you can thumb through here 20 stories long, not find one thing that even remotely seems positive. There is unproductive... There's an unproductive, uh, destructive, dangerous world full of tragedy and despair that's in front of us because the water is bad, because what is flowing out into the community and the world around us is not bringing life. And the crazy thing is, is that the church of Jesus Christ, we have stood by waiting for something to heal the water. And I got news for you. The only place where there is salt is in the body of Christ. We've been waiting for governments to fix the water. We've been waiting for nations to fix the water. We've been waiting for political movements and politicians to fix the water. But the truth of the matter is the only thing that can fix the water and heal our land is sitting in these seats this morning. That's it. And those sitting in seats across our city and across our nation. It is the body of Christ that is the salt that will fix the water and heal the land. See, the responsibility of the unproductivity of the land doesn't lay on the shoulders of anyone else but us. So this morning, if you're saying, uh, Pastor Dan, what's the, what's the one thing you're passionate about doing uh, going forward as the lead pastor? I'm going to tell you what that is. It is to see the water healed so that the land can be healed so that we can reach our full potential as a city, as a nation, as families, as loved ones, as friends. God has so much to do with us. Now, the most important part of this entire message or scripture here, this part of this, is that the salt could not stay in the bowl. Do you get me here? The salt could not remain in the bowl. Do you know what happens when salt sits out next to each other in a bowl? It absorbs absorbs the... (laughs) It absorbs the moisture. (laughs) It absorbs the moisture in the air, and it sticks and gets crusty next to one another. Have you ever been around a crusty Christian? (laughs) 
it doesn't, it is no longer effective. It can no longer, it's no longer small, fine crystals that can spread into the water and flow with the water and heal the water and, and produce something in the land. It becomes this big blob of useless, crystallized salt when it sits in the bowl. That's why the church is not the end. The church should be the beginning and everything in between. It is not the end to your Christian walk. Your, your, your landing point for everything you do in Christ should be when you're poured out into the water and you heal the land. My passion is to see us poured out of the bowl, not just left there to hang out. Because we've seen a lot of egos stroked in the body of Christ as bishops and, and cardinals and, and, and pastors and all that have joined together and compared bowls and said, look how much salt I've got. Even in this town, I'm going to be straightforward with you. The largest churches in this town, their leadership don't hang out with the small churches leadership because what in the world are they going to tell me about look at how much salt's in my bowl <laughs> but the thing is we have failed as a pastor or a leadership if you're not poured out into the water so that you can flow into the far reaches of our community to your jobs, to your workplace, to your city, and you can be the thing that heals the very, the very essence of life that is lacking in so many people. You can be the, the river of life that the Bible talks about. You can, you can, the Bible says that rivers of living water flow out from us. You can be living water to your community, the pure, life-giving, living water, as CNN and the rest of them are going on with the gloom and doom of today and yesterday and the future. We can be the living water that turns our land from unproductive to productive. But we have to allow ourselves to be poured out. That's what gets me fired up. When somebody, when the light bulb goes off in somebody's head and they go, hey, oh, okay. I can do this. I can actually impact my job, my neighborhood. I can actually impact my city. I can do this. And then they do it. Oh, lay me to rest. I mean, it gets me so excited about that because there's no way there's no way that through my life or my wife or through my mom and dad or through our pastoral team here or through Nancy or any of our staff members, there's no way that we can do all that God's called us to do as a church. There's no way. We can't even do a, a portion of it. It takes you being poured out to heal the water. And so I, this is what I'm really, that was Wednesday night. That was a long recap, but that was Wednesday night. See, we really do do things that are exciting and life-giving on Wednesday night. Uh, this is what I was, get so excited about. I don't want to just see us poured out for the, sense, uh, for the sake of being poured out. I don't want us just to be sent out for the sake of being sent out. I believe in one principle, and that is that we would send out healthy leaders and healthy believers. Amen. Now, I... I got about four people that understand what I'm saying. 
What I mean is that if I send you out or, 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 or you're sent out from this place and you don't have a healthy perspective of who God is in your own life and you haven't learned to lead from that healthy perspective, you will do more damage in people's lives than you will good. Well, how is that possible? Well, have you ever tried to go share Jesus with somebody that just got beat up by an unhealthy Christian? You have to undo, spend three months undoing what the person who was unhealthy and had an unhealthy view of God did before you can get them back to square one and even begin to share who Jesus really is. And so I want us to be healthy. I want us to be healthy leaders. It doesn't mean that we hold you back and make you pass the test. That's not, this is not what this is about. This is not about you jumping through hoops. This is about giving you the teaching, the instruction, the discipleship, the environment, and the opportunity to become a healthy Christian and a healthy leader so that when you walk out of these doors, you accurately represent who Jesus is. Because I promise you, if you really show people who Jesus is, they can't resist him. They can't. They can't. I have never seen the gospel be presented in an accurate way to people and them just absolutely 100% deny it. Because Jesus is so lovely and so wonderful and so in love with humanity and has so much to offer the world that when he's presented in an accurate way, because you have a healthy perspective of him, people will respond a heck of a lot different than some of us are used to. See, because if you don't believe that God has an unstoppable love for you, as we sang this morning, or that he really does forgive you, or that he really can look past your sin and mistake and shame, if you don't believe that for your own life, then you won't believe that for the life of the person you're witnessing to, Amen. you're loving on. Amen. You all know what I'm talking about. You've seen it happen. You've had a friend that has tried to, quote unquote, you know, share the gospel with somebody, and you walked away because you were like, oh my gosh, this is a train wreck getting ready to happen. You could literally hear the wheels coming to a screeching halt as it got ready to have impact. So that's what I want to do, healthy, 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 healthy. Now what's funny is, I, I over this past week, I'm like, okay, on Wednesday night, I'm going to teach this first part in Second Kings, and on Sunday morning, I'm going to give them the things that will make them healthy leaders, healthy believers, and we're going to learn this together as a community. And then I had a phone call with uh, somebody here, with Suzanne here, who, uh, who she said, I, I have a desire to start a leadership institute or a leadership class, and I've been certified to teach this program called Lead Like Jesus. I was like, well, that can't be bad, Lead Like Jesus, right? And so, so I said, well, that's funny because I'm actually teaching this this Sunday, and she said, well, I'm going to rush down there and drop off a book and a pamphlet and all the information to you. You can speed read through it. And if you like any of it, you can take it and use it. And if not, that's fine. But I have a desire to eventually open it up so people can learn this and become healthy leaders. So what I did is I sped read the book and the information and threw out everything I was planning on saying and replaced it with this because it was so much better than what I had to say. So... I can't claim 100% ownership of this, but I will anyways. As your lead pastor, I want to go over these things that God has spoken to me in the middle of the night. Whoa! He woke me up in the midnight hour. I said, I'm going to bed, but God said, no, you're not. And he said, get up, son. I'm getting ready to drop these. Oh, no, I'm just kidding. Y'all don't know I have that in me, but I do. I grew up in it. <laughs> oh, yeah. 
And the Lord said, take your notes, son, and burn them in the fireplace. Just like Daniel was in the lion's den. No, I'm just kidding. All right. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. But there was four men in the fire. Just like your notes, son. The only difference was your notes burned and they didn't. And that fourth man was... Have you ever heard uh, that great sermon from Oral Roberts, The Fourth Man? Do yourself a favor, YouTube Oral Roberts, Fourth Man, and listen to one of the greatest messages ever preached, okay? And just don't compare it to what I do, all right? So here are four quick things that you can begin to observe in your life that will help you shift your perspective on what it looks like to be a healthy leader and a healthy Christian. Do you know that you're called to lead? Everybody is called to lead something. Does this mean you're going to give me a ministry, Pastor Dan? That's like, anybody here who wants a ministry, that's like saying, is there any way you could hit me in the head with a hammer? Ten times? This isn't about leadership and ministry. This is about leadership wherever God's placed you. It might be in the church, but it might not be. It might be in politics. It might be in the bank. Wherever God's placed you. The first thing is your heart. Your heart. I want to read this in Philippians. Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourself, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. Boy, this is a great scripture to begin to realign your heart with what will make you a healthy Christian. And that is, in, in, in just a couple of short words, the ability to no longer passionately pursue your own self-interests, but to really think about the people around you. And I'm going to read this to you. This is from this book. It says, A heart motivated by self-interest looks at the world as a give a little, take a lot proposition. If your encounter with the world is a give a lot, take a little proposition, then we need to realign your heart to really who God is. We, We should be a people that leaves everything that we encounter better off than we found it. The people in our job, people in the grocery store, our friends, our family, our neighborhood. So many opportunities we have to give much more than we're able to take back. It doesn't mean that you don't get something out of a relationship with somebody. It doesn't mean that you don't benefit from a relationship with your work or your job. But what would it look like if you were determined to give more than you took? Do you know who, the, who are the people that oftentimes are promoted to management and, and get the biggest opportunities? It's the ones that owners are convinced are more concerned with the owner getting the better deal. Do you know what's a nightmare to people that own businesses? When someone comes in and in the first week they want to know, how soon can I take my time off? How many sick days do I get because I feel a cold coming on? 
And how many hours a day do I actually have to be on task to just barely skate by? This is a heart problem. It's an inability to realize that God didn't create us to just consume. God created us to actually transform, to have impact. And so it starts with the heart. And as I mentioned earlier, when your heart begins to get a right understanding of God's love for you, you can rightly present him to the world around us. The second thing is this, and, and we're going to probably more than likely end up introducing a longer format of this that you can actually take, and uh, it'll be a little more extensive. So, so this is just a short, condensed version of a couple of these points. The second thing is this, your head, your heart and your head. And this journey of these four things actually is in sequential order. It starts with your heart, and it moves to your head. And, and this is what happens. The head develops your belief system and perspective on your role or purpose in the world. In other words, your mind develops how you interact with the world based on what your heart knows. So if your heart isn't right, then your head will not develop the proper belief system. In other words, your perspective on your role in the world won't be right. So I'm going to flip it from like a negative thing to a positive thing. If God really does desire to see you prosper and thrive and be more than a conqueror, the way the Bible says, and that is in your heart, then your perspective of your role in the world changes. So your mind changes and is renewed based on what you believe in your heart. Amen. Do you get me here? That's the journey that takes place. Starts here, and then you begin to develop a belief system here. Once you develop a belief shift in your mind and you say, hey, this is my role in the world. This is how I interact with the world around me. I leave things better than I found it. I am a positive force for him. I bring his glory with me. I impact a room when I walk into it. I believe that people should, should see the love of Jesus and want what I have based on an encounter with me. When you begin to see yourself that way, then what happens is moves to the third thing, which is your hands. And your hands really are the Matthew 28. It is the go and make. Go into all the world and make disciples. It is the go and make of that scripture. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. It is the go and make. Everything could be right here, which is the beginning, and you could have the perfect perspective in your mind and belief system and perspective on your role in the world here. But if it doesn't affect what you do here, then it stops here. Do you know how many people I sit down with on a regular basis that when you begin to ask them like, hey, what do you feel about this? What are you passionate about? What do you feel like God's called you to? In other words, what's your perspective? What's your, how do you see yourself in the world? And they begin to talk. I'm like, holy cow, this person really has it right. And then I find out they're doing nothing with that right perspective. It actually takes a go. You know, I've had these extensive conversations with, with a lot with Roland and Kathleen because they have a huge, huge heart for the prayer movement. And we do too. We love the prayer movement, what IHOP is doing, these places are doing. But one of the things that we always talk about is how you can either become all hands where all you do is go and make, and you don't pray, and you don't have a life of prayer, and you don't pave the way in prayer, you don't bathe things in, in prayer, and you don't, you don't really go to God with these things. You just are striving in your, own, in your own strength. Or 
We become so locked in the prayer room and so concerned with how many hours we put in this week that we never go and make. And so everything's right here and everything's right here, but nothing happens here. And so it takes this perfect combination where we're pursuing a life of prayer, where we're getting things right in our heart, getting things right in our head, but it has to translate into the send of our hands, the go and make of Matthew 28. And the last thing is this, because I don't have a ton of time, but you guys are getting this, right? Heart, head, hands. This is, this is healthy leaders. This is what it looks like to lead like Jesus. You know, I, I, I thought about, I, I, I was reading some of the material from the stuff, and I, I don't know where I found it on the website or something, but I saw them, it said, and I'm probably paraphrasing this, did I write it down? Yeah, the men Jesus led and empowered eventually laid down their life for his cause. That's what kind of leader he was. He was such a great leader and so passionate and so empowered the people around him that they, would, they literally, his disciples, laid down their life for his cause. That's what kind of leader I want to be. That's what kind of leader I want you to be. That the people around you are so inspired by your life that they're willing to do anything to follow. Come on, that's good. And so here's the last thing. It is habits. It affects our habits. We begin to form habits with our hands, what we do, what we say, where we go. And um, I wrote down a couple of habits that you can begin to, that, that are healthy habits. When I say habits, people are like, yeah, I got a habit I need to kick. That's not what I'm talking about. <laughs> this is not the Marlboros, okay? These are healthy habits. The first one is involvement in supportive relationships. That means your friend that you'd go out to lunch with after church, your family, the person you connect with on a regular basis, maybe somebody that's, your, that's an accountability partner, but is your supportive relationships, your spouse, healthy, supportive relationships. The second thing is prayer. Prayer. If you don't pray... If you don't get in the habit of praying, you really can't fully be the healthy Christian God's called you to be. Second one is study and application of the word of God. The reason I, put, the reason I believe that the author of this put this is because um, some people study the word of God and they do a great job. But it's the application of the word of God is where we see the demonstration of his power. The power and authority doesn't just come from what's in our mind. It's the demonstration and the application of it here in the world. The fourth thing is accepting and responding to God's love. Another healthy habit that will change your heart, change your perspective of him, change your head, begin to change what you do. It's a habit that will, that will just begin to revolutionize that process of becoming healthy. Is learning to encounter and respond to God's love. And the last one that I'm going to spend a couple minutes on and then close is uh, one of the healthiest habits you can have is solitude. Solitude. Everyone's like, great. Have you seen my schedule? Solitude. That's not a new gum company, okay? Solitude is is something that Jesus leaned heavily on. Do you know that when, 
when Jesus was preparing for his own tests in leadership and preparing for ministry, that before he did that, he spent 40 days in the desert by himself. Well, that's unproductive. You can talk to Jesus about that, okay? When he found out that John the Baptist had died and passed away, he left and withdrew on a boat for some time alone. When he fed the 5,000, which is one of the greatest miracles, scholars believe, one of the greatest miracles he ever did, when he fed the 5,000, he immediately after that went up to the hills by himself to find a place of rest. And the night before he chose his 12 disciples, you're never going to guess what he was doing. He was alone by himself in the desert, spending time in solitude. People are, are yawning as I'm saying this. If that's not an indication of how badly some of us need to spend some time in both solitude and rest, to refocus and allow God to connect with us. What's crazy is God actually wants us to take more than just 30 minutes off sometimes. But some of us, if we have an hour of solitude, we feel like we're new people. That's how far gone we are in our healthy living. If I have an hour of peace and quiet, I, I, I feel like I could run a marathon. And I probably need to. <laughs> just time away. Just time. It doesn't have to be something you spend money on. Just a time where you just shut everything down. Will you turn that demon that's in your hand all the time off? Sorry to anyone that works for AT&T or Verizon. And you say, listen, I'm going to spend time just resting and hearing from God. The purpose of this, of all this stuff, is so that you and I can be that living water, that salt, that healthy thing that's poured into the water so that the land can be healed. That is what it's all about, that we would be healthy leaders, that we would be healthy believers, that when poured out, are able to heal the land and see God accomplish all that he wants. How many of you want to do that with me? Come on, stand to your feet. Now, see here. Tomorrow is Pastor Jim's birthday. So I just realized where my entire family went. They're getting ready for a Sunday lunch and birthday party for my dad. So, Dad, my gift to you is... No, I'm just kidding. I'm not going to cheap out. You're going to do the... You're going to learn to, do, to, to whip and nay, nay, Yes. Yeah, you got it. Did I got it down yet? You, yeah. That was, you got something down. I don't know what it is. You're definitely working it. Hey, if, if, we really, if we really are passionate about becoming healthy in our Christian walk and about allowing ourselves not just to collect in a bowl, but to be poured out 
There's no telling what this city will look like. There's no telling what our communities will look like. There's no imagining how much impact you and I can have. My heart's desire is to see the body of Christ, that is you, activated and empowered and encouraged to do what God's called you to do. When you do that, it so pleases the heart of God because you were designed to do more than just sit in the bowl. Come on. That's why some of you, your rear ends are sore right now because you were designed to do more than just sit in the bowl. You were designed to be poured out. So Lord, we just thank you for this word. God, we thank you that you gave us the most amazing example of what it looks like to be healthy as a Christian and as a leader in Jesus. And Lord, we want to passionately pursue, Lord, what it looks like to be healthy. Lord, to refine one another, to keep each other in relationship and connection. And Lord, to see us be poured out of that bowl into the water that we would reach the far corners of our city and allow the land to be healed, the problems to be solved, to see people come to know you that would never come before because we allowed our lives to be poured out. And so God, thank you for this message. Thank you for this day. Lord, thank you for such an amazing body of believers in church, Lord, that are standing together as we move forward in all that you've planned for our lives. We thank you that we're going to see the full potential here in Sarasota reached. Lord, that this land that is well-situated will reach all that you've planned for it. In Jesus' name. And everybody says, amen. God bless you.